Welcome to the 313 Men Money and Marriage Podcast, where facts, logic, and reasoning are at the forefront of every conversation. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how to talk about money in your relationships. Why is it important to communicate about your finances in your relationship? How do you talk about finances? Why is assertive communication an effective way to communicate about money? What you and your partner can do to become more financially literate? And lastly, should you have a financial advisor or planner to help mediate the conversation? So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we delve deep into this issue. Welcome back to the 313 Men, Money, and Marriage podcast. And as we did say in the intro, we're going to talk about how to talk about money in your relationships. Now, if you look at that title, you'll see the key word and phrase that I'm using about is in your relationships. The reason why I said in your relationship is because prior to getting married, you need to have this conversation. So while you're together in the earlier stages or say right before you decide to get engaged or even when you got engaged, you should have a conversation about money with your partner. Now, there are several reasons why we don't, but I'm going to run a few statistics by you and see what you think to determine why this is so, to come to the realization of why this is so important. Now, according to Fidelity, which is a financial firm, about one-fifth of couples say money is their greatest relationship challenge, and 44% say they argue about money at least occasionally. In addition to that study, Northwestern Mutual found that 41% of respondents in a survey that they conducted said that their financial anxieties impact their partners at least some of the time, causing financial disagreements. So as you can see, having this conversation about money is very, very important. And a lot of times we neglect it. You know, we, we literally neglect having this conversation. Now, truth be told, money is the second leading cause of divorce in the United States. And I've looked at several different polls on this, you know, several different uh, research and polls and things to that effect on this. And it's always in the top three. It's either one, two, or three. But on average, it's probably the second leading cause, at least according to a few of the articles that I've looked at more recently. So with that number being there, if this is so important, why aren't we, you know, why aren't we talking about it? And why is it so important? Well, some of the reasons that we don't talk about it is that there's a level of shame and guilt involved in dealing with money and finances for some people, especially if you have poor financial habits. So especially if you have poor financial habits, there is a lot of you know, shame, guilt, and anxiety pertaining to that. And these are all negative emotions that we experience. So people are a little bit less reluctant to talk about these topics, but once they get into marriage and they bring some of those probably bad habits with them, it's going to lead to, uh, you know, more of these arguments and fights that we were just talking about a little bit earlier. Often people are scared They feel shame or guilt because of maybe some of the poor financial decisions that they made in the past. And they don't want their partner to maybe know about it. Or if they do want the partner to know about it, they will be a little bit, they'll be a little apprehensive on volunteering all the information per se. 
And this is a very, very important conversation because you don't want to get off, you know, start your marriage off if that's the direction that you're going into where the person, you know, one person was being deceitful about how much their how much money they had or how much was their, you know, financial obligations do they might do they might have to owe. And then they bring it into the new partner. Now that new partner has a level of responsibility for that financial obligation as well. So this is why it's important to communicate about finances in your relationships. We got to let our partners know whether our finances are good or bad, but we need to let them know that this is what's going on. And so it'll give us a much better, a clearer picture of how to handle finances in the future. You know, we, we, we hash out some of these problems, you know, currently. Now, one thing that you can do, you know, when it comes to how to actually talk about finances in a relationship, there's several different things that you can do to, to address this issue. And I'm going to go over a couple of them here. It's, 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 it's quite a few, but I'm not going to cover every single one, but I'll go over a few of them here. It says to schedule a financially focused date night. Now your first, you know, inclination might be, well, how do you do that? It's a date. You're going out on a date. It's a date night. How do you go about doing that? Well, what you want to do basically is set out time. Some people say to do this maybe once a month, once every two months, once every quarter, but in either way, you know, to set up a, you know, sort of a date night and just discuss the finances. This is what we got. This is where we're going. This is what we can afford to do this year, whether it could be a vacation or anything. And this is how much money we have for this specific thing. This is what we owe. And this is what we have. And the the episode I did last week pertaining to the wedding, I was talking about the importance of just using a blank sheet of paper and just putting assets on one side and liabilities on the other side. Well, I was referring to the wedding about the average cost versus how much you want to spend and then ultimately how much you end up spending. Well, you can do that pertaining to your finances. You can put your liabilities on one side, your assets on another side, and then just do this the subtract the assets from the liabilities and that lets you know what your net worth is. So that's that's one of the things that you can do is just have that date night, have that discussion, talk to your partner, explain to them all of the things that's going on, where we're at. Uh, how often should we check in on these finances and see another thing that you might need to do, especially if you're thinking about getting married in this particular situation is what are you going to do as far as like say life insurance is concerned? What if you have a 401k plan? Who's the beneficiary? These are the conversations you might want to have. This is why it's so important to have these conversations. There have been many instances where a spouse a spouse to the, the, you know, one of the spouses might have passed away and they did not have their spouse as their 401k beneficiary because they hadn't changed it in years. And I've even seen situations where an ex-husband or wife was actually on there and they got the, the money because the other person never changed it. So that's why you have to have these conversations about this type of stuff so that everyone is aware of what's going on. And so these are things that you have to have this stuff handled if your marriage is the the direction you're going and you need to have this stuff handled before you get married. Another thing it says to do is just keep an open mind. You know, going to assumption that, yeah, maybe people are, you know, my partner isn't very good with money. And if, if anything that they do that's, you know, or they might be really good with it, but anything that they do 
pertaining to their finances, keep an open mind about it. You might get a little upset. You might be frustrated that they, they, they're spending money in such a somewhat of a reckless way sometimes. But even still, have that open mind because you just don't know. You don't know what people are going through and you don't know what they've been through. There isn't a K through 12 classes that we talk about personal finances and how to manage our money and how to budget everything. You know, we just become adults. And if our parents didn't teach us, we kind of just figured out on our own. I remember, you know, back in my days when I was in the military, I didn't even know how to write a check until I got into the military. And it took other military members to show me actually how to write a check because I never had done it before. And they had to even show me how to use the ATM machine because, again, I had never done that before. You know, I never utilized some of these things until I got into the military. So I learned all this stuff basically, you know, while I was in. But we're not necessarily taught this stuff you know, in school or anything. My parents didn't necessarily show me like they, you know, we, we talked about money and budgeting and different things like that, but the use of how to to actually get through life on some of these types of things, I kind of just learned in the military by somebody else basically showing me what to do. So we get out here as adults and we're tempted with credit cards and different things like that. And it's very easy for us to fall prey Especially if you're in college, you know, they have all these different credit card offers they throw at you on college campuses. And it's very simple, very easy for you to fill out the form and you get approved right away and you can start using it. And we get ourselves in trouble in those credit cards. So no one is necessarily taught how to do this. So that's why I say it's very important for you to keep that open mind and understand that there's going to be some people who are, you know, maybe not as financially literate as you are. And if you're, if you're the more, fin- whoever the more financially literate person is in the relationship, whoever that may be, they have to sort of take the lead initially on the finances just to let, you know, just to get everything rolling, then let the other person start to have more of an active role in how everything is going. And that should, you know, be a smooth transition. Like it shouldn't be just something that you start off right away doing one thing and then you start doing something another way. That transition has got to be very, very important. One of the things I talk about that I wanted to talk about is when we're dealing with our personal finances and money in our relationships, we need to learn how to communicate assertively. A lot of times when we're arguing or we're in a debate or we're in conflict, we're communicating aggressively. Well, when we communicate aggressively, a lot of things will get tuned out. Because people don't like to be yelled at or spoken to in an aggressive tone. But if you speak in an assertive manner and you utilize assertive communication, you can get your point across without feel like you're attacking the other person. Because you can use a lot of I statements and just explain to them. You're able to explain your point of view where the other person doesn't feel like they're being sort of attacked. So an example would be, I would like to talk about how we're doing our finances. I was upset when you spent all that money on those pair of shoes or boots or clothes. And that bothered me because we obviously couldn't afford it. If you talk in those tone, that tone and you use those I statements, the other person will be more, you know, more 
want to listen to what you have to say a little bit more versus if you're communicating in that aggressive tone, just being very aggressive with somebody. When you're doing this assertive communication, you're letting the other person know, yes, I do respect you. You are my partner. And we do have to have some financial boundaries in place. Because if we have children or we have anything like that, we're going to bring these bad habits to them. So I think it would be a good idea for us to have these boundaries in place and utilize them in our marriage. So when you're talking along those, those lines, those assertive communication lines, it's very, very easy to have the conversation about money because no one really feels like they're being attacked. You know, when we, we uh, you know, might be initially upset if we found out a person ran up some credit card debt or different things like that. But if the conversation is based on an assertive style of communication, you'll probably be, have a much better chance of getting through it versus if you're just yelling and screaming at each other. Now, truth be told, they say that about 30% of the time, 30 to 35% of the time, if a couple is arguing about money at least once a week, they will probably end up divorced. So they'll probably end up divorced if they're arguing about money once a week. And some of the, the issues that often need to be addressed when we are talking about money is our debts. How, we, how do we manage our debts? If there's income disparity in our salaries, meaning one partner is making more money than the other partner, and that number could be significantly more, but whatever it is, we have to have that particular conversation. Whether or not we view spending and saving totally different, there's some people, as they say, are spenders, and some people are savers. So which one is the spender? Which one is the saver? The ideal situation is to get into a relationship or marriage where both people are savers, you know, but that doesn't always happen. But, you know, that's why it's so important to utilize that budget and write everything down on paper. Another thing to do is plan for uh, your future and financial emergencies. What are some of your short term and long term financial goals? You know, most people don't even really have any. You know, you ask a person what's their financial, long-term financial goal, they'll say to be rich. They're talking very vague and general terms, but truth of the matter is they don't really know. And they never really talk about it at all. So as a couple, you could have these conversations about what you want to have in the future. How much do we want to have saved at a certain point in time, based upon a certain point of date? One thing you can do, you can look at 401k balances and see where your 401k is compared to your average age. So you can look all this stuff up. It's all available to you. And if you're behind the number of the average, you might want to step up the amount of money you're saving. And if you're above, then that's great. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And so those are some of the things these conversations you need to have should be focused on these types of issues. If you're going to be in a long term committed relationship or marriage with anyone, you have to have long term financial goals and they should be in writing. You should write these goals down and let your partner know that this is what, you, you know, as you both come to a mutual agreement and 
learn this stuff together. You come to that mutual agreement and work on both trying to reach that goal together, have that commonality, why it's so important. Because a lot of times we literally neglect, we literally neglect finances. We just, we just go about, you know, paying bills, just doing what we're supposed to do. And as many of you have heard me on this particular podcast, I've always talked about the savings rate in the United States. A little over 40% of the country can only afford a $400 expense or repair. And over 52, 53% of the country cannot afford more than a $1,000 repair. So even though it looks like people might have it together financially, a lot of us are walking around here. And if we had one major repair, such as a refrigerator or something going down or something to that effect, we would have to charge it or borrow money from our friends and family. More than half the country is in that particular situation. Back in the 90s and 80s and 90s, sometimes people would say things like, you're just two checks away from financial ruin or something, you know, along those lines. And that's what they're basically talking about. A lot of those people did not have enough money saved. Now, if you were a subscriber to someone like a Dave Ramsey, everything, he always says the first thing you should do is just save $1,000. And that's a good idea because that gets you in the game and that gets you that $1,000 that you might need to do, to do to make for repair. And I totally understand that. It makes sense. You know, so that's one of the first things you need to do. Establish that. Establish sort of an emergency savings plan no emergency savings how much do you have saved what if someone gets laid off that's working someone could get laid off that's working and if that happens how much money do you have put away for that person to get another job no until they get another job how much money do you have most people don't have that much you know, they'll, they'll maybe have a, maybe a month of savings, which is basically two checks if you get paid bi-weekly. And that may not be enough. You know, I mean, because usually it takes people anywhere between three to six to nine months sometimes to find another job. Even though we are in the middle of a little bit of a labor shortage, it's still, it still does take a little bit of time to find a, a, the type of job that may be something that was comparable in pay to what you were making in the past. You know, so that's that's part of what the issue might be. So do you have enough money put away for if something like that happens, sort of a one of the two uh, people are no longer working? Then there's people who have career transitions. So you might have a person who might be leaving one type of career field and going to another. And maybe they have to take a step backwards before they can take those two steps forward. So they might be making less money initially before they start to make more money. And they could be in that situation for years. So will you be able to weather those type of financial storms if that does occur and if that does happen? Very possible. Very possible. Another area I want to talk about is something that you and your partner can do. And I think pretty much all married, married couples or people in relationships to consider doing. Before you get married, you should... Become more financially literate. Now, there's multiple ways to do this. One thing that comes to mind is that some of the schools, you know, some there's some programs that are taught in the evening by financial advisors and planners, and they teach courses. And they're very, they're generally not that expensive, but 
you know, they might teach a four or five session courses on, you know, personal finances and how to manage your money. It might be a good idea for a couple who's considering getting married to go to those classes and, you know, gather that information and utilize it in their household expenditures. You know, because that, that, that could really that could really lead to something very positive for you because you'll, you'll, you might pick up some, some habits or traits that you didn't do before and they could be very beneficial to you as you break, take it into your marriage. So think of those as a, an opportunity for both, both people in, in the relationship to, to grow. You know, financial literacy is, you know, something that we are not taught. So this is, they don't offer classes in this. So anytime you can take a class, sometimes even at uh, some of your local churches even offer some of these types of classes. So it might be a good idea to consider going to a local church, you know, or your local church and see if these classes are offered. And if they are, you can maybe take them through your own church. And they will teach you some things on financial literacy. Other things is you can watch videos together. I mean, obviously, you know, you can get on certain platforms like YouTube and everything like that and just get some advice. You can listen to podcasts. There's a ton of podcasts on personal finance. I'm pretty sure you can find one that you would like and you can listen to and it'll help you become a little bit more financially literate. One thing that happened to me when I was younger is that I had went to a website years and years ago and it just had. 10 books to teach you about investing in finance. And it said, if you can read all 10 of these books in one year, you'll be pretty much on your way. And there was a few good books on there. Uh, One of the books on there was John Bogle on mutual funds. Another one was a random walk down wall street, two very, very good books to help you learn about finance and, you know, investing in different things like that. And once you read those books, you know, it, it kind of opened my eyes a little bit because now I knew how to kind of I start to learn a little bit more about investing and how money works and how, how long it takes to grow and, and to set reasonable expectations about my finances. Because back then I didn't really have any, you know, I was sort of in that check to check mode back then. But at least it got me to the point where I was able to bring my debts down and I actually start to have a little bit of money saved where that was the first time in my adult life. Where that was the case. So, you know, that's why I say it's very important to look at stuff like that. Going to your local library is another good place that you can have financial literacy. A lot of times there's classes offered at the library itself and those are completely free. So if you have a public library that offers any classes on financial literacy, a lot of that stuff is posted. You can go to the library and find out yourself if they are available and you can uh, take those classes right there. And that could really be very beneficial to you. When you are starting out and you're in a relationship or you're contemplating getting married. So those are all the different things that you can do to become financially literate. The last area I do want to cover and just talk about is should you have a financial planner or advisor mediate this conversation? Well, I can tell you it's not a bad idea to do that. And sometimes, you know, if you got to spend, let's just say you have to spend a couple hundred dollars to have a planner or an advisor step in and help you mediate through this particular situation. That's not a bad idea. 
if you had to spend two hundred dollars and it saved you tens of thousands of dollars over the course of your lifetime, that was probably the best two hundred dollars you've ever spent in your life. Sometimes if we just make little small upfront uh, investments in something, the return could be tenfold. It can be very, very extensive. So just think of it in that terms. You know, it's not, you know, some people say, well, why do I have to pay that kind of money for someone that's just going to be advising us or being a mediator to our conversation about finances? Well, they'll be very objective and they'll look at both sides of the issue and they'll come across on a side that's beneficial for you in the long term as far as your financial growth is concerned. So that's one of the reasons why you would want to have it. And that really works good when you do have two people on opposite ends of the spectrum where one is a saver and one is a spender. The one who is the spender will be able to listen and, you know, gather this information and start to, you know, like I said, a lot of times when we put things on paper and we can actually physically see them as tangible, that works out to our advantage. And the reason why that works out to our advantage, because when we can actually see things that's written down, and the numbers are right there in front of us. Like if we might come to the realization that, hey, we're spending more money each month than we're actually taking in. When we see that, that can be that can be gigantic because once you actually see it written down. It'll, it's sort of a wake up call and you start to realize, oh, man, I've been spending way too much money. I've been spending too much money on some of this stuff that we have here and we're spending. Obviously, we're spending too much. Maybe our car payments are too high. It could be a variety of different things that we could figure out and we can look and see where we can make sort of cut, you know, some cutbacks to make sure that we're able to save that money and have a, have a savings in place. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a few thousand dollars put away just in case, like I say, these emergencies or these disasters strike because they always do. They always do. And you, you have to be financially prepared for them when they do occur. So having a financial planner or advisor to help mediate your conversation might be in your best interest in most, in most cases. So those are some of the things that you should do pertaining to having a conversation and relation, you know, talk about money in your relationships. One of the key things that I did uh, touch on earlier is that that date night about finances, I think that's very important. You know, obviously, it's very difficult maybe to go out maybe once a week, but, you know, maybe once a month or once every three months and have that conversation about, you know, all everything. Who gets this? The life insurance, the, the 401k beneficiary. You know, what's the plan in place if something does happen to one of us and there's children involved? Who are we going to be, you know, relying on? Those are very, very important conversations that you need to have. We take them for granted, but we never know life is not promised. You know, we can, you know, the next day we could, it could be over. <laughs> so we really don't, it's important for us to try and address those issues. Well, as I have said before in previous podcasts, I am not a financial advisor or planner. Just take this information for what it is. It's just information. And I'm just hoping that it assists me and you, the audience, as we continue on our journey on the 313 Men, Money, and Marriage podcast. I am about to wrap up and I just want to continue to say thank you to my audience who have been supporting me uh, on a weekly basis. And I just want to continue to deliver the content as best I can. You can come to our website. We're going to start doing some Instagram live videos coming up soon. And uh, I keep you posted on that. We're also going to be uh, having a YouTube channel set up. And our goal is to have that up and running by this month. 
There will be a few more new guests that haven't been on the podcast before coming up in the next few, the next several episodes. And I hope you find this stuff, this information to be not just educational, but also entertaining. So with that being said, I'm about to wrap up and we will continue to deliver the content on a weekly basis. If you want any more information about the 313 Men, Money and Marriage podcast, you can visit the podcast webpage, which is on podpage.com and just type in the 313 Men, Money and Marriage. Just put dashes in between all of those words and letters and numbers and it will pop up. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening and we are out.